Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, created and hosted by me, broadcaster Belle Crawford. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, I have been so excited ever since I recorded this chat to share it with you. Today, we are joined on the show by an incredibly talented artist, Paige. You may have heard some of her music. You may recognize her music. Maybe you're just about to discover your new favorite artist. Paige has released her debut album, King Clown, which I'll leave a link in the show notes. You can stream and listen after you've listened to this chat. We find out about Paige, how she grew up wanting to be a pop star and what she did in order to make that happen. Something which is one of those things I think a lot of us grow up in our bedrooms, pretending we're pop stars, singing into our make-believe microphone, uh, deodorant cans, mum's ones were always the best. But to actually realise that dream and get signed by a record label is something a lot of people don't actually get through and Paige managed to make that happen. We also have a really candid conversation about Paige's journey with mental health, her depression, and what some of those really dark times looked like for her and how she managed to get herself through them. We cover everything, the highs, the lows, and encounters with huge, we're talking top-of-the-top level artists. A trigger warning, this conversation does touch on depression, and if this is something you or someone you know is struggling with, we've left some resources and places to get help in the show notes. Before we get into it, please make sure that you're subscribed on your podcast app. This is the biggest way to support us. Hit follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Paige, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm so excited to have a chat with you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Now, we're going to find out all about you soon and everything you've been up to. But first of all, congrats. You've got new music out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us about your latest music. Uh, I have an album called King Clown, which I've written about kind of all of the bad experiences of my life and all the good experiences, like all my clown moments and all my king moments yeah I'm really proud of it too I'm really excited that people can listen to it it's been a while yeah because you have released other music is this your first album this is yeah this is my first album I've done an EP before but um, yeah first album so it's a lot it feels a lot bigger to me yeah it's a lot more work right so yeah yeah (laughs) talk to us about this album and obviously you've just touched on some of the things it covers but like what was the process of making it like for you was it quite intense like do you find it quite therapeutic writing music uh I find that writing the music is the easiest part of my you know like being an artist uh I wrote some of the songs like most of the songs I wrote at home um kind of reflecting on all these things that were happening in my life and I think writing the songs was very quick and then I took the songs to Simon Gooding to help like record and produce you know the rest of the album and uh which was really fun I, th- I feel like the music part of it was really easy to do 
but then you know the cover arts and, and the videos and stuff like that always takes the longest time we're going to go through everything and how you became to be an artist and, you know, if that's something you always wanted to do. So we'll go through that soon. And also, you know, you've recently been touring. You've been overseas performing as well. So tell us about that. Yeah, uh, I did a showcase in Singapore called Music Matters and I played a few shows and it was really, really cool because I didn't realise how many people listen to my music in Singapore, which was, yeah, like, and people were, like, giving gifts and stuff, which is really cute, and just to play somewhere different, because I've only played in um, Australia and New Zealand, and then we went to Korea to do some promo for the album. Yeah, it was really, really fun, and I'm really grateful that I got to go. Yeah, especially after the last few years, it must be really special discovering you have new fans in different areas that you didn't even know, you know, that must be really special for you as an artist and almost, you almost probably can't almost believe it because, you know, you're from New Zealand and then you go to different places and people know who you are, which is really special. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really nice. And also I don't think that they expected me to be anywhere near Asia anytime soon. So a lot of them were quite surprised that I was there, um, which was really nice. It was like, yeah, it was really cool. I'm, I'm really stoked how the trip went (laughs) that's so cool so we'll talk more about your work and everything soon but take us back where did you grow up and growing up did you know what you wanted to do Uh, I grew up in Clark's Beach so like South Auckland like really south (laughs) and um, I always knew I wanted to do music I don't know when I made the decision that I wanted to do music because I feel like I've always just None of my family are musical, so I think that my parents were a little bit surprised, um, but really, like, you know, happy surprised that that's what I, you know, indulged myself in as a, as a kid. Yeah, and I think also growing up in such an isolated community because Clark's Beach is really quiet and small and um, not a lot of people, not a lot of time for socialising, I think it made it easier to focus on wanting to do music. <laughs> What are some of your earliest memories of music? You know, was it listening to music? Was it being in your bedroom, you know, playing music? My earliest memory of it is probably, like, me and my sisters used to sing and dance together in the lounge, like, as a like you know, just for fun, as, like, a joke. And my parents would always play, like, Michael Jackson and stuff in the house. So we would all make up dances to those types of songs. Around about the same time, I decided to perform like at my school and stuff when I was about six. And then I just wanted to do it all the time because I loved attention as a kid, so, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So you weren't a shy kid. That's always handy and helpful if you're, you know, going to be performing in front of a lot of people. Yeah, I I think I was a shy personality, like, when I talked to people. But when I sang and stuff, I think I just wanted to sing so much that I just got past it. (laughs) I don't don't know how that works. It's it's an interesting thing with artists often – they're shy and introverted, but then, you know, what they do and present is quite extroverted, but it's that, it's that special moment where I guess you're feeling safe to be that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just like self-expression, I guess. Like, it feels so nice to, you know, I just think singing's so fun, you just can't stop yourself from doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When did you realise that music could be something you could actually do professionally and, and have a career in it? I've always been a really big fan of artists since I was really young. I think my first favourite artist was Hilary Duff, so... Iconic. <laughs> yeah, Slay. And I always knew that, you know, like, people, you know, you could be a musician, you could be an artist, and I kind of always aimed to be the, the top, you know, like the, you know, a pop star. Um, 
<laughs> but when I was 16, while I was, you know, wanting to aim for that type of, you know, delusional fantasy, um, I, you know, I started singing in bars and stuff and in restaurants and at weddings and that's kind of how I started making money, which was kind of like my, oh, you can make it, um, like you can make money, you can make a career out of doing this type oh. of stuff. And then how did you make that transition to from, you know, you're working in it, you're doing it, what happened when you left school? Like how did that, I guess, get through to where you are now as a, you know, a signed artist with Sony? Uh, it was really hard. <laughs> I would busk because my mum would kind of see me be really miserable about music and be like because I used to mope around and be like I just want to be an artist like I really want to be out there recording my own music and stuff and my mum was like okay well you need to go on the street and be and busk you know you have to try and put yourself in every corner like you're performing at weddings and stuff and you're performing at restaurants but you need to do everything so then I started busking for like maybe four years every Saturday and also putting stuff online. I think putting stuff online and doing the busking thing really helped me. And then I guess people started to listen to my music online. Yeah, it's, it's quite hard because I, th I think like it all happened so slow. What introduced me to the industry was like, because Billie Eilish found my music on Instagram and, and that kind of introduced me to the industry, which is really funny because I was trying really hard to get into the industry for years before that and nobody cared. And then, you know, she put a little post up with me and then everybody was like, oh my gosh. It's so cool hearing about artists who have, you know, have already got a big platform and everything actually helping other artists out like that because like you say, you've been struggling, working so hard to get into the industry and, you know, someone like that giving someone else a leg up. It just shows how important it really is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I love feeling support from my peers as well and I like, you know, helping out, you know, people that are just starting out where I can as well because there's so much value in it. And I've also found heaps of cool artists through my favourite artists posting about other artists and stuff like that, so... It's definitely a really big tool. And so, once you know, you've been working so hard, and it's so hard when you really want something, you're working for it, and then it finally happens. So talk to us about when, you know, you started, you got signed, and, you you know, your music was on the radio. What was that like for you? And it's all kind of you couldn't almost believe it was happening. Yeah, I, th I think I just didn't really know how to help the situation, like in terms of, like, when the, the whole Billie Eilish thing happened, that was more so going from having supporters online and, and stuff to having industry help. So so I wanted to know how to use those two things together, and, and I didn't know how to do that because I didn't have a manager at the time. So that was pretty interesting. It was all really exciting. I don't know. I think that my, my parents and, like, my family getting excited about it kind of helps me feel like grounded in a way yeah that's cool because it is it is quite a tricky space to navigate it's very full-on you know the music media industries and at the core you're an artist and you want to make music but there's so much more that goes into it so it's really cool to hear that you have people that you know help keep you grounded and sort of like remind you of who you are and and just get excited for you and that you know they've known you through the whole process so that that is really helpful yeah and it feels like a team effort like talk to us about I know you've spoken and we'll only cover we'll only talk about what you want to I know you've spoken about your mental health before in the past you've been really generous and vulnerable about that we're going to talk about that if you're comfortable with it but you know how does your music and your songwriting I guess help with that and is that how you're able to, I guess, share how you've felt and your different feelings over the years? 
I guess it helps me understand how I'm actually feeling because I don't know how to um, navigate my feelings unless I'm writing music about it because I guess when you write music, you're diving into your subconscious feelings because I always start with, you know, like chords and, and melodies and then I just sing the first sort of thing that's going on in my head. I always wonder, like, oh, if I didn't have music, I'd find it really hard. Like, I'd find you know, depression, really, really tough because that's my outlet. But I hope that, you know, when, when other people listen to my music as well, that if they they have issues, they can kind of, like, feel like they're not the only person with issues. No, that's really cool. And it's like, it, you know, I think it's really quite commendable that you have a willingness to share, you know, like a lot of people find that stuff really personal to talk about, let alone writing a song, which then people listen to. Does it help that it's sort of like a one-way conversation? Like people obviously can say what they think about it, but when you're writing a song, it's like, I guess like a book that people don't comment on it. It's like, you're just writing something and that that's it, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a good point because yeah, like it being a one way conversation does make it so much easier because I think sometimes a lot of people just want to vent. Still to come, Paige generously shares some of her darkest moments, what that looked like for her and how she was able to get herself through the other side. And I know it's not really the best timing with the whole Joe Jonas, Sophie Turner, messy divorce, but what's up with Paige and the Jonas Brothers? A very cool story. We'll be back after a quick break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Talk us through your, I know you've spoken about your depression before, you know, what has that, what have those experiences been like for you? I started realizing that I had issues in, in high school. I didn't sleep. That was my first, <laughs> my first thing was I, I had a, a lot of trouble sleeping because I used to have these really bad nightmares about things that were troubling me and my life and my fears and went through my first breakup which you know just was awful <laughs> honestly I reckon hands down like they are one of the worst things I've ever experienced them experience like I think for a lot of us it's this pain that it's not only an experience you have with someone that you love it's the future that you thought you had with that person and it also is your relationship with yourself as well and, and any other heartbreaks or experiences you've had in your life. I feel like they all just come out and it's big, one big wounded heart when you're going through them. I honestly like, oh, I hope I never go through one ever again. Like I've had, I've had quite a few. So I'm like, no more. I think I've done my quota, you know, they're awful. Yeah. The, yeah. You're so right. Cause it is all those things. It is that like relationship you have with yourself. And, and then also, yeah, like you expect something to happen in your life with this person and it doesn't. When you experience that at a young age for the first time ever, like all those intense feelings, cause you feel so much more when you're a teenager. I just had such a rough time with my first breakup. And then that kind of taught 
taught me a lot about myself, which was really healthy. Like, and then I saw a really great side of myself because I was like, oh, I'm really strong. Like, I can, I can get through it, and and that was really nice. But then when I was 20, something strange kind of started happening, and I, I got really erratic with my my mood and I and I would make really erratic decisions with things that weren't great and would lead me to to like you know self-harm and stuff when I didn't think about like I never thought about like I never planned doing it but it would just happen because like that's what I was dealing with and I didn't really know what was making me feel so bad at the time I was like oh maybe I'm, I have to go on antidepressants. And then I never, ever approached it. Like, I, I thought about it to myself, but I never wanted to be on them. Just because I'd heard the stories of, like, no, like, they make me feel so numb and, and stuff like that. So I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. And then my mom was, like, um, talking to me, and she... I think I had a hard time talking to my mom about my mental health properly because I just always wanted her to think that I was, like, good, even though she always knows the truth <laughs> she's like I'm a little bit concerned do you think that you need to be on antidepressants and then because she said that to me it kind of made me feel like fuck maybe maybe I have to be on them because I tend to be over dramatic about stuff and then my mum is very much like she puts me in line and then I went on them and I, it felt so much better because I didn't have that erratic thinking anymore I could just get on with my life but I still have trouble because that's what depression is <laughs> Absolutely. You you think when you're younger, you're like, oh, we'll have these rough times and then it'll get better and then it's gone. And I don't have depression anymore. But what we're learning with mental health is that we have just like anything, you have, you know, ups and downs and there's situations in your life that contribute to that. And sometimes there's not. And it's so interesting what you say. I hear from a lot of people that I speak to on the self-love club who talk about, you know, the battling with the going on medication thing. I think that's sort of part of Unfortunately, it has been a really big narrative in our culture that, oh, like there's something wrong with you. Either if you're going to therapy, that you must something must be wrong. And also the going on medication thing. When I've said it before, you know, you would you take medica you take it if you've got a headache, you take Panadol, right? Like so I know it's a serious thing and not everyone's the same and everyone's got their own experiences. But for a lot of us, when we're experiencing a rough time, going to see a professional and going on medication that they think is right for us actually is so freeing and just gives you a break and it can actually save lives. So I think it's really important to hear you talk about, you know, like when I was in high school, so like 2014, 2013, 2014, people would be like, oh, they gave me too much. Like they gave me a high dosage and stuff. And I think that back then not a lot of talk was happening with mental health as much as it is now if you get the right information from your doctor about how much you should be taking and and what's what's going to happen when I try to get off the medication I think that's an important conversation to have yeah but I I think it saved my life going on them and it does give you a break too it's like nice yeah no it's nice just to not feel so intensely and it's not that it takes away your feelings you can still feel depressed when you take them yeah I've taken them for a long time I went off them for a bit and then uh, I went back on them and then I was on a lower dose this year. I've actually increased my dose and it's honestly helped so much. And obviously there's other things you can do to help your mental health. And for me, a big thing is exercise. Like I need to exercise basically not every day, but during the week, you know, it's part of my routine that really helps me feel good for my mental health. Yeah. And like the exercise thing is, is a good point. Like my mom would always be like, you know, this isn't a magic pill. Like you have to do everything else to help 
You talked through some of those darkest times and, you know, some pretty troubling thoughts you were experiencing. And also you talked about how you had like erratic, was it erratic thoughts or was it erratic behaviors, which I think a lot of us can relate with, especially around that age where, you know, you're out of home a lot of the time, you are being potentially a bit reckless. It's kind of part of that age, but, you know, talk to us, what were some of those thoughts and I guess some of those dark moments like for you? It's it's really interesting because I never had, it was never like thoughts, it was more behaviours. So like I would be driving and then I would just have like this big impulse to like crash my car because I'd, I'd be so mad at myself. I don't think that that's spoken about a lot. I've never really talked to anybody else that has had that type of thing before which has been quite difficult because you know it's so so hard to be like oh like what's wrong with me like why was I doing all that stuff some like my my uncle passed away in 2013 because he had committed suicide people would say oh he was never a depressed person or whatever and then someone jumped up and said a speech and they were like I don't think that this is a this was a choice I think that he panicked and he and I was like oh that's really really interesting because I think that I could have done the same thing like if I had have gotten medicated you just make really weird decisions at times when you start you you start getting angry at yourself about like little things that you don't like about yourself and then you just want to do bad things to yourself it is more common than you realize I'm not saying it's like really common but I've had friends that have told me that and I've heard about that but yeah it's not something I think spoken about so much it's more that people are depressed or then you hear the unfortunate situations like your uncle where it has taken their life and like you say I I think it's something in what your family member said is they didn't really have a choice they didn't feel they had a choice and it was that hard for them and what were some of the things you didn't like about yourself that that made you feel really angry I think that I didn't like how I treated people I would say things that would make me sound arrogant which I didn't like or you know, I, I would think back about conversations that I had with people and I'd be talking about something that I got really excited about because this is what I tend to do a lot. I tend to go on and on and on about something that I find really exciting that other people I know aren't fascinated in at all. And that's often like a, I think we're taught to, you know, not brag and not be, you know, excited about things. That sounds like it's almost like, yeah, you didn't have a great relationship with yourself and that you were, you know, mad at yourself for just being excited about things and I like I still get insecure about like my personality and stuff but I think you just but you kind of have to just own who you are and the sleep thing is really tricky um when often it's the first sign of when you're experiencing you know depression anxiety is you can't sleep or you can't stop sleeping but yeah talk us about those nights when your brain is racing what sort of things were you thinking about again was it things you didn't like about yourself or were you analyzing a lot of things I started having sleeping issues when I was about 13, 14. And it was because I was scared to go to sleep because I'd have nightmares about things in my life that I didn't want to think about. I don't really remember what the nightmares I was having was or what what I was scared of. I knew that I was scared of death. And then I went through my breakup, which would keep me up all night because I'd just be thinking about, you know, who is she with? Why doesn't she love me anymore? Like just stuff like that. And then when I was in uni, I think, 
I would stay up a lot thinking about my career. I think that my career has has kind of caused me a lot of stress. Relatable. I, I yeah, I could I could definitely relate with that. And and that feeling of when you're like leaving school and you're just so worried about like is this the right decision and and yeah, it consumes you a lot. And then you realize as you get older, you can only do your best and there's only so much you can control about the outcome of what happens, but I I feel like if you work hard, like you have it and it, it all kind of works out which is like you don't realize at the time because you're so stressed about it yeah because my career I think has has stressed me out a lot like because especially being an artist you think that you know not a lot of people make it as an artist I think the the success rate is like it's like eight percent or something I used to wait, like stay up at night and be like man I've not given myself a plan b um, in my life because I know that this is what I want to do so I need to put my whole you know all my energy into it that consumed me a lot I think that's probably the biggest part of my <laughs> my depression was like just being stressed about wanting to be successful which is so sad because I love music and music's the thing that helps me but I guess when you have to make money and, and survive as a human being there is a lot of pressure being a creative because it it typically isn't the thing that is going to make you money yeah and then also having to sometimes have other jobs at the same time it's just like more pressure more more of a workload and then you're still trying to make that stuff happen and do you think you have quite high expectations on yourself like that maybe that puts a lot of pressure on you yeah I have really high expectations of myself because there's this mindset that I've had when I was a kid and it's like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the most famous person in New Zealand like I'm gonna be a pop star one day and I guess that didn't really go away for me ever like I've always had that sort of delusion which I think has helped me but that does put a lot of pressure on a person because the chances of that happening are just very slim. I think that my wants and desires in my career have changed over the years. I don't want to be like the next Justin Bieber (laughs) Um, like I used to. (laughs) I would rather be like, you know, a human being. It can make you feel, I I can kind of relate to that a bit in my own work, which is obviously very different, but it's like it can often make you feel like a failure for these sometimes very high expectations you set of yourself that you are capable of achieving. But there are so many other factors at play. Like you say, for artists, 8% likelihood of making it. The odds are not in in someone's favor, right? But often I feel like when you set really high expectations, that's when the I'm a failure narrative can come in with their self-talk because like just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen but it's also like you're not setting yourself an easy goal if you know what I mean yeah yeah for sure. yeah like yeah because because I guess every day when you're not achieving that you are a failure that's how it is like as in in your head like if you're not achieving the goals that you're wanting to you, you're you're a failure that's like how I felt but it's not true. It doesn't mean it's true. It's just like that anxiety talk that, you know, how anxiety tends to lie to you all the time. Yeah. And it can almost spoil those moments for you, like those achievements along the way that you have had in your career. Often that negative chatter can just ruin it. When And each day, even though I think for those high expectations you set, there is work you're doing each day to get to that. Every step is in the right direction. And I think we forget that 
all of that is a part of achieving our goals and our dreams, you know? So I think we should celebrate the small moments a bit more. How did you get yourself, apart from, you know, you say going on medication really you think helps save your life. What are some other things you did to get yourself out of those really dark times? Uh, I'm really into meditation. And I, I think that people have this perception that meditation is just sitting down and closing your eyes and going like, <laughs> going like this. It's kind of, it can be before you go to bed, just like become like being aware of how you're feeling and, and sitting with yourself and being like, how, asking yourself, how am I feeling right now? And do I feel good about today? And am I excited for tomorrow? And, and asking yourself those questions. And I also like keep this journal, which is like a gratitude journal. So at the end of every day, I write something that I'm grateful for and something that I'm excited for. And also, yeah, I, I exercise as well. Setting affirmations for yourself and positive self-talk is always the best thing that you can do because your thoughts always become things, always. Yeah. What are some of those affirmations or things that you, because like a lot of us, it sounds like you had quite a lot of negative self-talk. What are some of those things that you've learned to tell yourself or to help improve that relationship with yourself? I think like just real basic stuff. It's taking away the the words like I can't do this or like like instead of being like I'm not a bad person, you say I'm a good person. My positive affirmations have to be like I I I work really hard. I'm kind to all the people around me. I accept the things about myself that people don't. You know, it's helping you to feel better about yourself, but also at the same time helping you feel like you're moving towards the things you want to achieve which is something that sounds like you've sort of struggled with a lot was that like you know those feelings of not feeling good enough but then at the same time wanting to achieve these really incredible things so I guess it probably helps you feel like you're moving towards uh, more of what you want yeah for sure yeah yeah it's like the law of attraction like when you you feel like you're you do everything you can to move towards the the things you want yeah and also being in an industry that, you know, there's so much you can't control, has it also been helpful for you to focus on the things that you can control? Because anxiety is a lot of the time focusing on the things that are outside of your control, things that haven't even happened yet. Is that sort of something that's helped you? That saying, you know, when people are like, you know, control the things that you can control and things that you can't, you have to just let them be, that is just helpful in itself. It is so tough, eh? In the industry, you really don't have a, a lot of control over anything and things can always change and that can be tough but then also it can be exciting as well I've, I've also found myself in positions where my career is, is moving rapidly like faster than I can control and and, it, and it's going really well which is really great and it's always just so up and down all the time and nothing's permanent as well which is such a helpful thing to remember I think with anxiety it's being present that can really help things and, and being where you are now and because I guess anxiety comes from anticipation and then depression is all about dwelling, <laughs> which, which is what I do a lot of. <laughs> yeah. What sort of things do you think you dwell on? Oh, just like, oh, I could have done that better. <laughs> or I could have I could have said that better or, oh, that could have gone better. I just put weight on everything sometimes, which sucks. But I mean, I've, you know, I think a lot of dwelling comes from like dwelling on my last relationships and stuff like that. Ugh, you know how it Gosh, is. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. How has being open about your mental health, like has that helped bring you closer to your, your audience and people who love your music? Yeah, I think that that's a big thing in my 
you know in my music that's that's why a lot of people I, I think connect to my stuff more I think there's a difference between writing about things that make people feel like they want to party and stuff like that and then writing about things that people can relate to because I, I wrote a song called yellow in 2019 which was about like me wanting to like die well um <laughs> uh that was the first song that I kind of did that was pretty heavy on mental health and then when I saw that it it did help a lot of people I was like okay if I channel my own feelings through my music it, it's a good thing for other people does your own music help you has it helped you through those tough experiences and those times when you have felt really depressed yeah for sure I um like I think a lot of breakup songs were the ones that I was like yeah like yes this this is exactly how I feel I wrote a song called too much to hate in 2019 and I think that that's been one that's really helped me a lot because that was I was going through a really hard time I was in like a I've only had two relationships in my life like past relationships and the, the one that I was there was one that I was in where I was feeling like I was being controlled and and I felt stuck and that was really hard to deal with and then when I wrote too much to hate it it's it kind of made me realize that I'm not like a pawn it is nice to hear people speak about being in these experiences where they are being controlled by a partner or they're feeling like they are. I think we're hearing about it a bit more because I, I think it's something a lot of people didn't really speak about, but it's actually something people do experience a lot, whether it's in current or past relationships. So, you know, was that, that must have been a really tough experience for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot about my last relationship because it was it was really hard and it's so crazy that like love and and stuff like that can really put a strain on your life and then I guess when when it is putting a strain on your life you know that it isn't love how did you manage to get yourself out of that I guess situation it took a long time I loved this girl but I didn't like the way that I was being treated so oh it was pretty messy I'd go back and forth and back and forth be like we're together we're apart we're together we're apart and it was so hard to break up as soon as I kind of learned the whole like you have to identify what love is and what you know I kind of realized that the relationship that I was in was more like she loved the way that I made her feel but I don't think that she loved me because if she did, then she'd be, you know, she wouldn't be making me feel this way. And that's how I made the decision to to gap it. <laughs> yeah, and that's a tough decision. Like, I think a lot of people struggle with actually leaving because it's, like, hard and you almost want to believe. It's really hard when you're in that situation and you want almost want to believe it's going to get better or that it's, you know, it will be okay. It's just maybe a rough patch or something, you know? Yeah, because yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you always hope that, oh, it'll get better. Oh. Things will change and then you can stay for so long. It just doesn't. We have talked about your self-care already, but, you know, what were, what is something you would share with younger Paige, knowing what you know now and I guess all the experiences you've been through, what would you tell her? I would probably say that not to heighten things. I think it's so easy to see a bad situation and panic and I think that that's what I did a lot of, would be panicking about false perceptions of things in my life that came from depression and like you know when you kind of lie to yourself about things and you you make them worse like things can get worse in your in your head I'd probably say to stay present and to be calm because it isn't as bad as it seems ever and in there you've kind of given us like you've given us heaps of advice and just by sharing your story and your vulnerability what are some advice you would like to share with those listening maybe who have aspirations like you have and 
you know, I guess getting through that self-doubt and, and living your dreams. You will always have to work way harder than you think you do and to enjoy it while you while you work at it because you have to enjoy it to do well. And also to be confident in what you do because that is such a big tool. I think that there are some people that are at the top of their game that necessarily aren't, you know, I'm sure that there are other people out there that are just as talented as they are, but because they know that they can do it, that's why they're there. I think that knowing that you're capable is is such a big, big thing. And you have to know you're capable because you are. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And it's almost, it's not annoying because it's great people have more self-confidence in themselves. But I often think that I'm like, there's people out there, everyone experiences self-doubt, but there's some people who just believe in themselves enough to not let that self-doubt get in the way. And you're right. You're like, they are there because they believe in themselves. And there's a lot of us that are very talented and, and have what it takes, but we doubt ourselves and sometimes and let that get in the way, you know what I mean? I think it's remembering that self-doubt, it does exist in everybody. Like, if you think about Billie Eilish, who is at the very, like, top, it's like, she she has so many things in interviews where she's like, oh, I, I look at this undercover artist and I think, damn, like, they're so much better than me. Like, And she says things like that. But then you see her in, like, a Rolling Stone video and she's talking about how much she loves the music she makes and she thinks that it's really good. And- Do you feel pressure to keep producing really good music? Because especially if it's like you had success with something and then you know, like a Billie Eilish, but for everyone having to then almost, not that we want to use the word back it up, but then have something else that's going to do well is, do you find, do you find that pressure? Uh, I do. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that, I think that people that are in a, a lot bigger position than me, like I'm sure that Benny probably feels that a lot because she put out a massive hit. And then, you know, in Lewis Capaldi's documentary, you see him talking about how much pressure he has to make another hit. I always feel like I want to make something better than I made yesterday, which I think is normal, but I haven't really had a hit. So I, I don't think that the pressure is, is bad for me. You've definitely, I mean, I, I worked on um, like hit radio. You definitely had a lot of like radio hits though, I'd say. And you know, you, I know we support our local artists, but you did have some really popular songs, particularly over maybe it was like summer of couple of summers there's like quite a lot of your songs that were doing really well so you d- you definitely have had hits I know that you may not think that but you know you had songs that were played a lot and that were on people's playlists over a lot of summers so yeah I'm yeah but then I, it's good that you don't feel that pressure to then like have to have something you just want to keep making good music yeah well I th- I, it's funny because I think that the pressure comes more from like because in my in my eyes I feel like I haven't had a hit I think that it's just like my perception is more I have to get a hit I have to get a good song so I'm trying to navigate oh what do people really like yeah I love him so much and yeah that documentary was incredible like it's just um yeah I guess we don't realize and I think it's great we're seeing it a bit more now the pressure that's put on a lot of artists and how they are like basically just working like crazy and it's not good for people regardless if you have you know, mental health struggles. And I just think he's so funny, but I really respect him for being so vulnerable and open and sharing that. And like when I watched him at Glastonbury, I, it was just so nice to see everyone so supportive of him and singing for him. Like I just felt like crying, you know, like I think I did cry. Like it was just beautiful to see people supporting him and, you know, like it's okay. Like we want you to feel better, have a break. You don't have to, like, it's just, it's crazy that rat race of having to, you know, constantly bang out hits. Like, there's just too much pressure on people. 
Yeah, and it definitely is a rat race being a musician. Mm. <laughs> but, like, it doesn't have to be. I think that that's something I need to remind myself as well, that you do music because you love music and um, not because you want to make a hit. To wrap up, what have been some of the biggest highlights, I think, in your career so far? And There's so much more to come, but what have been some of those moments that have been really memorable for you? My highlights always change. They always swap. Going to Asia was probably a big highlight for me. I um, My EP went platinum in Korea, which was really – I didn't think that I'd get a plaque <laughs> ever <laughs> in my career, so that was really exciting. And I think that what's exciting about that is that there's people that don't necessarily speak my language that listen to my music, that connect with it, and I, I think that, that it's so exciting – I've always wanted to make music, like, listen to my music be made in a professional sense, like in, a, in a way where it sounds really clean and it sounds exactly the way that I imagine. And on my album, I have a song called Sunflower, which I recorded myself when I was in uni in, like, 2016. Uh, and then I got to re-record it and put it out on this album. And I got to record it and hear it in a way that I always wanted to. Yeah, and we don't have to touch on it, but um, we don't have to go into all the stuff that's happened, but there was some really exciting stuff that happened with the Jonas Brothers coming here. But like what, so what happened? Cause there was some, there was something on social media and then Joe Jonas dropped some like little eye emojis on your post. Oh uh, yeah. I, um, I, I really, really love Disney channel. Like when I was a kid, I, like I, I was really inspired by the songs that were on Disney channel, like they were on camp rock and stuff like that. And I've always wanted to, you know, I don't know. I just love, I wanted to write songs like that. And then there's a song that Joe Jonas sings on camp rock called, I got to find you. And I made a joke on TikTok and Instagram being like, oh, I really want to sing this song with you when you come to New Zealand. Um, and then I sang it and then he commented on it. And then I started doing a series after that being like, oh, please let me do it. Let me do it. So I'm on day, I'm only on day five because I had to stop for a little while, just, you know, read his divorce, which I didn't want to bother Joe. So. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, hopefully it happens. I hope it happens. I mean, they're still coming. There's still lots of fans. Like, I'm sure that will have, you know, by the time the concerts happen, people aren't going to not go because of recent developments. But, um, yeah, no, I think that's really cool. And, like, yeah, growing up as a Disney Channel kid and, you know, loving people like the Jonas Brothers, that's just like meeting your childhood heroes. They are my childhood heroes. I would love to. Yeah, and I'm sure with all the, like, they'll want some positive PR, so surely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <you know>? surely, please. <laughs> Might even work in your favour. <laughs> oh, Paige, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, really love having you on and really appreciate your openness and vulnerability. It's really helpful to people to hear others share their experiences more than you realise. Um, it's, yeah, really, it's just comforting to hear that other people go through things that, a lot of us go through so thank you so much for your time oh thanks for having me i really i really like talking to you about this yeah Aww. it's really cool that's all we've got time for thank you so much for listening to this episode of the self-love club now the most helpful way you can support us is to subscribe or follow on your podcast app if you haven't already also select automatic downloads and leave us a five-star rating. And if you enjoy listening to our episodes, please write us a kind review. This all really helps other people find us so we can keep making the self-love club and share the link with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at self-love club podcast to keep up with our content and videos from our episodes. 
I'm at Belle Crawford, Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok, where I post multiple times a day. And join our private Facebook group. Details for all of these with links in the show notes. New episodes are released on Mondays from 5am New Zealand time. I'll catch you soon. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.